Hi everyone, and welcome again to the Bible Made Easy podcast. I'm your host, Brother George, and I'm so happy you've joined me today where the question we'll discuss and answer is, does God really love me? Do you feel like nobody loves you? Are you feeling insecure or lonely? Do you feel inadequate and inferior to others? Are you struggling with guilt and shame over your failings in life or something terrible you've done? Are you having a hard time dealing with grief, sickness, financial or other worries? Or maybe you used to know God, but you turned your back on Him and wonder if He still loves you and if there is a way home to Him. Or maybe you've just ignored Him your whole life and wonder if He will even have you. In the midst of these things, or for any other reason you might be wondering, does God really love me? My friends, the answer to that question is a resounding yes. He does love you. No matter how bad you've been and how ashamed you are about it, no matter how inadequate you feel, no matter what others think of you or how undeserving of any love you think you are, God does love you. Let me read you some passages from the Bible that will encourage your heart. The first one is a story Jesus told in the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke, verses 11 to 24. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him out to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the food that the pigs were eating but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father, and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up, and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. In order to appreciate the significance of this story, we have to understand the enormity of the young man's offence against his dad and the rest of his family. In those days, a family's survival was tied to their relationship to the land. 
Landowners like this father had to work hard to make a success of their property in order to be able to keep it, pass it down to their children, and to guarantee the economic survival of future generations of their family. Land was inherited once the father died. If there were two sons, as in this case, the elder son would get two-thirds and the younger would get one-third of the inheritance. But apparently the younger son didn't want to wait until his dad had died. He wanted his inheritance right away. I can imagine his thought processes. I'm sick of farm life in this country village. I want to go to the big city and have a good time. I can't wait till dad dies. Then I can get my part of the inheritance and my dreams will come true. But dad wasn't that old and not about to die anytime soon. So the son had the disrespect to actually ask his dad for it now. Imagine how this must have hurt and humiliated his dad. And I can't imagine the son just asking for it once and that his dad immediately agreed to it. It's my guess that the son must have pestered his dad about it incessantly until the poor father finally caved in. Maybe the son was so lazy that he wasn't contributing anything to the farm anyway and was such a drag on the family that the father thought he might as well just give him what he wants and let him learn the hard way. Whatever the reasons, the dad finally agreed and divided his property and gave his son his one-third. And that would probably not have just been land. That probably included money, animals, barns, tools and any other assets. The story indicates that the son then liquidates his assets into cash and takes off with the money and goes travelling to a country far away where no relatives or village neighbours can tell him off and he goes completely off the rails and spends it on riotous living including nights with prostitutes until he completely wastes away the last penny. If he had stayed faithful to his family, that portion of the land and other assets would have remained in the family and been a source of food, income and security during the son's whole lifetime for his future wife and children, for his parents when they became elderly and for generations to come but he lost all of it. Imagine if this happened in your family. After having a riot of a time at his father's expense, he finally runs out of money in the midst of a famine in that distant land, and he sinks so low that he has to get a job feeding pigs. Now that's not to say that that is a dishonorable occupation. But in his time and culture, pigs were considered by Jews to be religiously unclean food, and being employed feeding them would have been looked down on. The text indicates that he only received lodging for his work, but no food from either his employer or anyone else. And he got so hungry that the pig's food even looked good to him. He's finally so desperate and lonely in a strange country that he has no one to turn to except his father. And so he goes back home with the intent to beg his father to let him back into the home as a servant. But when his dad sees him, he does what no Middle Eastern patriarch would have done. Totally unconcerned about the huge loss of his money, he lifts up his robe and runs to greet his son, forgives him and holds a party to celebrate receiving him back safe and sound. Here's another story, this time from the Gospel of John, chapters 8, verses 3 to 11. The scribes and the Pharisees, 
Jewish religious leaders at the time, brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such woman. But what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Two thousand years ago, when Jesus told these stories, in an age and culture where family and tribal ties were vital to the community's flourishing and survival, the listeners would have been disgusted and outraged at these people's actions. The young man who wasted his father's wealth, and the woman who betrayed her husband and possibly children and extended family as well. These were considered to be grave offences not only against their families, but the wider community as well. But in both cases, the message is forgiveness and redemption. The father didn't care about his lost money. He was just happy that his son had learned his lesson and was safely back in the home. And when Jesus said to the adulterous woman, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on sin no more. What he was saying was, Yes, you've really messed up, but you're forgiven and God will help you. Go back, and whatever it is in your heart and life that has gotten you to this point, sort it out, and everything will be okay. My friends, no matter how messed up your life is, whether by circumstances or by your own doing, no matter how ashamed or guilty you might feel, no matter how inadequate or inferior you feel, no matter if there's no one in this world who loves you, no matter even if you've strayed from him or ignored him your whole life, God still loves you and is there for you, ready to help you start a new life. And you can do that by having a relationship with him through receiving his son, Jesus. And I'll talk about that in the next episode. Thanks for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to you joining me for the next episode. And please remember to subscribe in order to receive regular podcasts from me. Bye.